นโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตอรหัตโตสัมมาสัมปุตตะสะนโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตอรหัตโตสัมมาสัมปุตตะสะนโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตอรหัตโตสัมมาสัมปุตตะสะอุดังดำมังสังอังนมัสสามิซึ่ง from the book the numerical discourses book of the fours number 171 somewhat mysterious good volition Chaitanya which is one of the leading sankara Because when there is the body, then because of bodily volition, pleasure and pain arise internally. When there is speech, then because of verbal volition, pleasure and pain arise internally. When there is the mind, then because of mental volition, pleasure and pain arise internally. With ignorance itself as condition. Either on one's own, because one performs that bodily volitional activity conditioned by which pleasure and pain arise in one internally, or others make one generate that bodily volitional activity. Either with clear comprehension, one performs that bodily volitional activity, or without clear comprehension, one performs that bodily volitional activity. Conditioned by which pleasure and pain arise in one internally. Either one's own, one performs that verbal volitional activity, or others make one perform that verbal volitional activity. Either with or without clear comprehension, one performs that verbal volitional activity. Conditioned by which pleasure and pain arise in one internally. Other on one's own, one performs that mental volitional activity, or others make one perform that mental volitional activity with or without clear comprehension. Ignorance is comprised within these states. But with the remainderless fading away and cessation of ignorance, that body does not exist, conditioned by which pleasure and pain arise in one internally. That speech does not exist, conditioned by which that pleasure and pain arise in one internally. That mind does not exist, conditioned by which that pleasure and pain arise in one internally. That field does not exist. That sight does not exist. That base does not exist. That location does not exist. Conditioned by which that pleasure and pain arise internally. 
The four acquisitions of individuality in one's, one's own volition operates, not the volition of others. Acquisition of individuality in which the volition of others operates, not one's own volition. Acquisition of individuality in which one's own volition and the volition of others operate. And there is an acquisition of individuality in which neither one's own volition nor the volition of others operates. And so it, it goes on about volition. So, volition. Chaitana is the, one of the principal Sankara. I think we mentioned that. Sankara, although is that which conditions the aggregates, including body, perceptions, feelings, consciousness, and mental volitions. So it's that which sets up the blueprints through which our intentions, our actions, even our sense of our body, sense of what the body is, our perceptions, our sense of what of meanings, what that is, and it's all conditioned. Mm. Conditioned, dependent upon not fully knowing. On mm. awija, not being in touch with the transient ephemeral nature of conditioned reality. Not being in touch with that, One's volition is striving to make things firm, reliable, solid, pleasurable, mine, myself. One's volition is then pushing through body, nervous energy, tension, agitation, mm, causing pain to arise. One's volitional energies are pushing through speech, thinking. When it says verbal, it means thinking as well as speaking. Making thinking intense, driven, uh, reckless, uh, hard, insensitive, uh, void of lingering and pondering, driven onwards causing pain to arise internally. Depending upon that volition, based upon not knowing, based upon wrong views, based upon not understanding the ephemeral nature, mm. perceptions, consciousness, feeling, one's mind, driven to make things firm that are not firm, make things pleasurable that are not pleasurable, make things self, mine, ownable, controllable, that are not mine, ownable or controllable. Depending upon that volition, pain arises internally in the mind. Mind is agitated, mind is not peaceful, mind is not open receptive, 
attentive, mind is driven, and as it hurts, it drives harder to get out of the hurt to something happier, driving towards the projected happiness, acts recklessly, generates unskillful karma through which pain arises for oneself and others. This is the way this whole dependent rising of suffering plays itself out. Avijja pachaya sankara sankara pachaya vinyana Dependent upon ignorance, volitional formations arise. Volitional formations set up consciousness as a function to carry out their their duties. Consciousness generates a world, a named, designated reality, the Nama Rupa, designated by perceptions, designated by a particular kind of attention, designated by feeling, designated by contact impressions, designated in terms of volition, move forward, keep going, a world that's generated in such a sense, a nama, a world of time, a world of deadlines, a world of urgency, a world of how long will this take, a world of not enough time, a world of too much time, generates this. This then saturates consciousness. Thing we see, touch, gets measured in those terms. Driven onwards, consolidated, unpleasant feeling arises. Passion arises. Craving arises to have more, to have less, to get away. To get out, to get in, to get hold of, to find a safe place. Craving, fixation, becoming, identity, mm. sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair. This is the arising of this whole mass of dukkha, aggregate, the dukkha kanda, heap, conglomerate, welded together welded to one's world, welded to one's town, one's home, one's job, one's history, one's family, perceptions, feeling this will make me more secure. With the ceasing of ignorance, then this body energy calms down. That bodily formation, that bodily revved up state, that bodily pressure eases, pain, struggle subsides. That pain body does not exist, doesn't manifest. Something becomes light and spacious, 
flowing and easy, where before it was heavy and stuck. Mm. That verbal thought formation, constantly seeking to know, to have another idea, to add things up, to come to conclusions. Mm. No, that stops, you can stop doing that. The mental formation, that which is planning, searching. Mm. When will it be? When will it happen? Mm, this kind of mental stirring could stop. This is Nibbana, stopping, Niroda. And these obstructive volitional formations. How do these formations get established? Ignorance. Either one's own, or others make it that, that way. So we see it modelled. We model and we pick up the model from others. And now we follow that model. We keep it going and pass it on to others, like a virus. You know, mm. yeah. acquisition of individuality, acquisition of individuality dependent upon the volition of others, one's own mixtures. We look around, what should I be? What could I be? What will make me? How will I get to? What's she up to? This kind of modeling of compulsiveness, perfectionism, idealism, supremacy. The pain arises internally. How does one get out of this? Where's the release from this? Well, here the reflection is on volition itself, on the do it. You could put it very simply, chetana, volition, intention, the, the do it. They have to do it. They do it quick or can't do it. It's all about this. Do you ever really con- contemplate that quality, both as a, a verbal instruction one gives to oneself, or you hear it from others, plenty of it around? Mm. Yeah. Zero tolerance, go fast, stop, hurry up. Get on, you know, the, the verbal volition is coming off the, off the billboards and the signs and the notices and the speech and the attitudes. Mm, picking it up, getting in line with that.
to make it work. This is uh, this uh, picking this up, becoming um, enslaved by it. Until it becomes very difficult, you know, to to access volition that isn't doing that. It becomes so saturated. To linger, to savor, breathe out, to play. Do not have a fixed conclusion, fixed strategy, to not quite know exactly what to do and wait in that, see what seems about right, find one's way. This real, you know, backing, backing to the volitional urge. And we learn that, you know, it has to be modelled and, and um, trained in. Mm-hmm. Now, in the forest monasteries, there's, you know, certainly there's a lot of talk about putting effort in, into practice. But you don't see people running around. And I think uh, quite a lot of one of the features of it is quite a lot of it is just um, doing things very uh, like making robes, um, making bowl covers, craftsmanship, which requires skill. If, you, if you're working art, craft, design, anything like that, you, yeah, definitely you're not focused and you intent on what you're doing, but you can't. You're going to be pretty cute to what the materials can cap- can handle, what the tools are going to do. You've got to be fairly no patience and gentle persistence. Otherwise, you're going to tear things up. You're going to cut your fingers. Um, you know, or, 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 you know, make a mess of it. So you real, real, like a certain delicate balance is required. And the ability to just... Breathe out, relax, get yourself in the right mode. Chanting mm, is a craft. Mm, this is such as actually giving oneself uh, like real sort of projects that have no deadline and no, you know, uh, no critique on it. You just you just practice in accordance with what feels appropriate, and yeah, you put your effort into it. But it's a different. It's an effort of the heart, an effort that comes from balancing energy in your body. And this is certainly a big part of practice. And 
And very significant, I think, particularly for Westerners who tended to come to Buddha Dhamma from their heads. You know, ideas of reading books, of insight, awareness, concentration, and very much all the good ideas, but really ideas that don't sink into the body in a skillful way, actually jam the body. If the body, if your idea doesn't sit comfortably in your body, it's not the right one right now. It may be right another time, but right now it's not the right one. That's where you check what ideas and teachings are doing to you. And it's not, it's not, not they're wrong, it's just that's good, yeah, but for right now that's, when I take that down, just know it, it doesn't have a good effect. You've got to check it out. Some people it will have a good effect, others it won't. And that's that's the law of it, the way it is. You just let it sit into your body, what's it doing? What's activating? What kind of volition is it stirring or touching into? Very often the first thing is to be able to have access to one's body at all. And this is, I think, particularly where the forest tradition has had its benefits, drawbacks, I'm sure, but benefits for Westerners who came with a lot of idealism, perfectionism, get it done, right system, right practice, quick, immediate, clean, rational, you know, this kind of stuff. And ties we look at them kind of like bubble between bewilderment and amusement. Yeah. You couldn't actually walk through a forest without falling over a tree stump, talking about, you know, insight awareness. <laughs> uh, they just couldn't believe how stupid uh, and intelligent and stupid at the same time. And Rajin Chai was making, got one of the Western Agaricans to go make some tea. And this fellow stumbled off and got hold of some canteens and got this, put it in a kettle and took it over to the to the to the fire to to make this tea. And unfortunately, one. One of the Thai monks checked out, this is kerosene. You just put kerosene in the tea kettle. Couldn't tell the difference between kerosene and water. It was about to put it on the fire to warm it up. I just couldn't believe anything could be that, that completely opaque. And I think the person was very, being very mindful to get it exactly right. Was they were holding the kettle. Actually not taking you know, this idea of mindfulness and imposing it on... Oh no. <laughs> uh, and and Ajahn Samedo was saying when he was walking because he had this difficult foot which is not, hasn't got a lot of um, it's quite numb the foot so he had to walk very carefully walk through and he'd be very very mindful he'd be very very mindful he'd stub his toe on a root he'd get angry right Try and be more mindful, I've got to be more mindful, and he'd stub his toe again. 
You have to stop thinking about being mindful <laughs> in order to walk properly. Because <laughs> the very idea of thinking about mindfulness took his, his intelligence into the wrong place. And so well, forget about being mindful. Put that to one side and just learn to walk. And so you learn it from the, the body on up, as it were. And I think that's a good practical suggestion. You know, get the bodily volition steadied, settled. Can you can you feel it? Mm. Can you can you sense it that, that in the nervous system that what it is? Can you sense the impact of thoughts? and their message and their way that they want generally these things want to go onwards and find a solution onwards to a solution and then how do I get to that solution there's a certain urgent imperative to it and when we see the sense of spiritual urgency sangwega and you take that in you tell them, all right, this means, does it? Does it mean that? Or does it mean one should be very, very careful and attentive to how you're wired? Because this is, could do you a lot of harm. And you've got, when you're taking a detonator out of a bomb, it's urgent. So important, you mustn't panic. You've got to be very carefully. The sensitivity to volition that we may have acquired and become ourself. Our personhood. when we in monasteries often these are these kind of things run through together a group of group of men or youngish men and without really even knowing it in some kind of competitive sense begins to trickle through make sure you're as good as the next and it's barely conscious but definitely that feeling of keep up keep up keep up and, you know and what, what do we fear? So we look into a driven, driven sense. And if you look at what would it be like to not be arriving at a conclusion, to not be pushing ahead, to not be... What, what is it that, that disorientation that I dread? Not being myself. Uncharted territory. Uh, and look into that space. Look into the, the tremendous emotional 
stirring can arise around right and wrong. These simple monosyllables, getting it wrong. You've got it wrong. I've got it wrong. You do it. How do you do it? Don't do it the wrong way. Make sure you get it right. Just, you know, you can play with these notions and feel that the whip land, the stick go into your back, right and wrong. What do these sounds mean? What are the what perceptions they trigger? What volitions do they generate? What do we fear? This left behind, left out, not approved of, ridiculed. Perhaps nothing concrete, just a nebulous anxiety. A lostness, a disorientation. If we come out of our volitional pattern, our individuality, this is why it's perhaps difficult. So often in the suttas you're seeing them struggling with talking about sense, desire, and uh, a lot, lot about you know, sense, desire, unattractiveness of sense objects. And yeah, I think that's good. I don't see so much about this fundamental disorientation. And my, my guess is in, in knowing India, you know, you know, it's very, very strongly net, social net. You know, exactly everybody's exactly knitted in to the social network, family, caste, clan, village, place in the... Knitted in, it really belongs to everything so completely. The, the sort of emphasis is to get out of all this belonging to everything. And sometimes, when I hear people's uh, moments of relief, they say, I finally feel I actually belonged here. Yeah, the belonging was an attainment rather than a problem. <laughs> Actually, I felt included. Uh, it's a very different um, background, I think. Our problem is not over-belonging, our problem is the fear of not belonging, the absence of belonging, the desperate need on a very early, very primary level to feel connected in a way that's not connecting me to something that's driving me onwards, condemning, pushing, but something that's loving, acceptance. And how much of a, of a thing is that? How much of a beautiful concept is that? Loving acceptance. Never see it much in the suttas. Mm. Yeah. Just feel what that would be like. What happens to your bodily volition then? Can you bear it? Sometimes is loving acceptance so challenging? 
because we don't know who we are in that. That loss of orientation. And when there's loss of orientation, then all you have is yourself, your volition. That's all you have. You don't belong to anything. All you have is your own stuff, holding your stuff together and making sure it looks good. How painful is that? Mm. We find, uh, you know, sometimes we just find relief in nature, which doesn't ask us to be that tidy, efficient, good. We're not looked at by people. We feel more comfortable with trees because they don't expect us to be anything. And we. The volition ceases, that volition ceases or calms down. Well, this, this is a important, to me it's quite an important um, resource. Pick up the sign up that quality, if you touch into that quality anywhere, any circumstance, look into the condition that that circumstance perhaps um, makes available, pick up the sign, pick up the quality, pick up that, that sense, make much of it, what would it be like? Walking through the hills, walking on beach, swimming in an ocean, watching the deer play. What would that be like? One is attentive, alert, reflective, but that Mind does not exist, by which pain arises internally. That thought process does not exist. Pleasant to be practiced. So this is these are things that I've, you know, I've begun to be more aware of over over years, decades. Um, practicing with this being and responsibilities and duties and trying to make it work make things work another thing to make work I remember one time I was people took me to a a resort in South Africa actually it's a nature area and they said just is you know sunny, warm. We'll just give you food. Do what you like. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's just a, just a vacation. 
uh, realized I didn't quite know how to do that. So you sort of plod along the beach. Okay, I've done half an hour. <laughs> Go back. So, what? You sort of sit there. Okay, I've sat on the I've sat on the sand for twenty five minutes. Yeah. I'm actually twenty eight now. What should I do next? <laughs> No, just uh, sense there's something going. Oh, should we get on? Should we get on? You know, I mean, should we getting on with something? What's that? I remember, I was they gave me a little, um, like a styrofoam um, board, so you could float on. You know, there was a lagoon, so I was on this styrofoam board, floating in the water. It was just there. There's still something in me saying, but I'll be late. <laughs> what? what? No, it's just this kind of nervous, I'll be late, I should. And I said, whatever, it doesn't matter, you know, whatever, you know, here, just do this. And I just lying and thinking, but I'll be late, I should do. And the mind just buzzing around, trying to find something to get important about. Been here, well, I've been here eight minutes already. Yeah. <laughs> I can't handle much more of this. <laughs> and it's a it's a weaning process, you know. Really, that was about ten minutes. Is about all I could all I could manage. I think I maybe made fifteen. It was just getting too difficult. <laughs> but, you know, when you can't start pushing, pushing. It was better than eight minutes. I've got 10, 15 minutes, and then, you know, gradually extending. And, okay, just walk slowly. Walk slowly, look at the birds, and listen to the sounds as you walk along. You know, it couldn't actually slow down completely, but just at least getting it down a little bit, getting the volitional push down, 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 like that. A place where, you, you know, it's possible just to, just to be there and, and let let the sky look at you, you know. So that's my, I think, my way of putting it, rather than me even looking for anything, just be seen by the sky. Letting yeah. it come in, you know. And then perhaps be even seen with a, a sort of warm regard. And that was a practice, you know. Uh, pushing what needed to be pushed. There's no person in it. I couldn't imagine my, you know, when the sky was looking at me, it wasn't saying, well, what did you do and how much was that and your know, attainment? There's just this sense of just on looking quality and this ability to just feel those you know, one's credentials, trying to drag some credentials up. This guy's not interested in your credentials and your and your qualifications and your mindfulness and your... Da, 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 and just, oh, what a relief, you know, to not have to be mindful. <laughs> or whatever it's supposed to be one's doing. You know, that, that definitely there's a sense of something pushing on that because it wasn't wasn't very not very easy 
to to be that that empty, that open, that seen by well, oh, the sky doesn't see anything actually because there's no eyes in it. But you're just kind of playing, imagining that notion. What would it be like? What would it be like to? What would your skin feel like? What would your heart feel like? What would your breath feel like? Then you, you even to play with that. You said, look, "Look at what comes up. That's agitation. That agitation." Wow, you're touching something important here, you know, and there's that amount of agitation over just sitting still and nothing to do. That amount of calculation, that amount of I should be, I ought to, what if, and, you know, where's that? Surely this is something to be dealt with, pushed against, you know, Word, you know, not believed in, not given authority. Yeah. Definitely not given authority. If you have to experience it, at least don't give it authority over over your chitta. Mm. And so over time, you know, that way of, that attitude of mind doesn't take hold. That way of measuring one's life doesn't take hold. That one that way of coming to conclusions doesn't take hold. That accountancy system of calculating and assessing oneself doesn't take hold. That prognosis of the future doesn't take hold. That comparing oneself with others and what they think of you weakens, doesn't get grip. And that bodily pressure ceases. It does not exist. The field, the basis, the site, the location does not exist. And that's, that's the direction. And when we see even a little bit of it's gone, even a little degree of it's gone, that's the sign. Something is ceasing, something is stopping, that's the sign. Pick it up. Listen to what repels it. Listen to what doesn't like it. Listen to what pushes against it. Listen to that which gives you a convincing argument of how it's not important. Listen to that, feel, this is taking me to pain, stress. Hmm? Is it? Hmm? Where's it coming from? Where does it go to? Hmm? And this Dhamma is for elimination of stress, of being. Elimination of this ignorance that we cannot see. We only feel the effect of it, the footprint on our hearts, the pressure on our bodies. Mm.